The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Over the last three millennia, hundreds of books have been written about Jesus by theologians, lay people, and scholars alike. Yet certain key questions remain. Who was Jesus? Where was he trained in the esoteric wisdom he taught? Where did he live during the nearly 30 years that are unaccounted for in the Bible? Did he travel? Who were the mysterious wise men who suddenly appeared in Bethlehem after his birth? And what did they have to do with his mission? Why do we hear no more of these spiritual masters after their brief appearance at the Nativity? What secret teachings did Jesus share with the apostles? And are they written down? Why do we not have access to them? These are some of the many questions that are addressed by Tricia McCannon in her latest book, Jesus, the Explosive Story, and the 30 Lost Years in Ancient Mystery Religions. If you didn't listen to the first in this two-part series, I urge you to go back to our May 27th archive and listen to the initial stories that brought about this book and also some of the discussion on the Great White Brotherhood and the Mystery Schools. My guest, Tricia McCannon, is a renowned American clairvoyant, historian, author, and teacher who has traveled the world in search of answers to the greatest mysteries of the ages. As a keynote and workshop leader, Tricia McCannon speaks on a variety of subjects, from connecting with your spirit guides to the nine orders of the angels, wisdom of King Solomon and the return of the shepherd kings, the coming age of Aquarius to the quest for the philosopher's stone. She is trained as an initiate of many ancient streams of knowledge, including mystical Christianity, Native American wisdom, the Shabda teachings of the masters of the Far East, and the goddess teachings. She leads workshops and transformation for thousands around the world, in addition to being a life clairvoyant and healer, having read for over 6,000 people worldwide. I'd like to welcome back Tricia McCannon. Hi, Simran. It's a pleasure to be back with you and, and your wonderful audience today. Well, it's great to have you back. We certainly didn't finish our conversation last time, and I wanted to get more in-depth into this wonderful book that you have, have brought to the world. In, and, and so much research, so much knowledge that I think the average person does not have access to simply because either it hasn't been out there or it's been too uh, difficult to come across. So I really applaud you for the efforts in creating this wonderful book. Thank you so much. I think it's been a very profound experience to connect the dots, so to speak, and to to trace that golden thread that weaves through all of the ancient traditions and that Jesus was certainly aware of and trained in and, of course, at the end of the day brought back to Jerusalem and to Palestine and Judea uh, at a very tough time in Jewish history. Uh, they, You know, the Romans were probably some of the densest um, 
people around at that particular point, heavily militaristic, and Judaism itself that had emerged as a beautiful mystical tradition through the teachings of Moses, who had been taught in the as a high initiate within the ancient Egyptian mystery schools himself, you know, some 14, 1,500 years earlier when the Exodus had happened, by the time of Jesus, the, the Jews had undergone, you know, um, uh, captivity by the, the Babylonians, you know, the Assyrians. They were scattered. And by the time they sort of came back together, uh, you know, 200 years before Jesus, they were under attack by the Syrians, Antiochus the the, the fourth, Antiochus the third, and so consequently, most people don't realize that the true mystical Jewish teachings that were connected with the Great White Brotherhood had the real fully functioning temple in in um, Egypt, in a place called Bubastis or Leonopolis, as the Greeks would call it, but that the the Sanhedrin High Council, composed of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, actually were pretty clueless. They really did not have the inner spiritual teachings, and this is one of the reasons why Jesus says in the Gospels, you know, ye vipers who will neither go into the kingdom of heaven yourself and will even prevent others from going into it. So I think part of the reason he incarnated in that very uh, dense um, part of the world at that time was in order to try to bring some enlightenment to some very good, earnest people who were suffering. They were suffering double full from both the Romans and that order and from their own priestcraft who uh, truly, you know, were not spiritually enlightened individuals. Well, and going back to a couple of the points that we discussed in the last show, um, one thing I'd like you to go into is a little bit of, of the difference between esoteric and exoteric so that people have an understanding of that. I remember that we, we ended our last show talking about the sacred language of hermetics. And most people don't know what hermetics is today, but uh, it comes from the word Hermes, and Hermes was the Greek uh, version of the Egyptian god of wisdom, Thoth. And Thoth, T-H-O-T-H, is where we get the word thought today. Soth was very instrumental in helping to set up these great mystery schools uh, along with his daughter Isis and his grandson Horus, who were very much working for the betterment of the, of the human race. And within the great mystery schools, they taught through the symbol language of hermetics. Uh, this is where we get the term hermetically sealed, you know, it's secret. And so these were esoteric symbols that take us into a deeper level of our souls. Um, most of us in our society, as you know, are very familiar with exoteric symbols like stop the car, you know, buffalo crossing, <laughs> don't smoke here. But hermetic symbols are uh, really encoded to uh, the inner planes and to the knowledge of the higher spiritual worlds. And even in Christianity and Judaism, uh, we have some of these symbols still around, although most people don't really think upon them very much. For example, the lion, the great lion of Judah, or the lion of God, representing the solar energy of the Christ. The sun and the lion are in the month of Leo, the king, the great king. That's one of its meanings. Um, There were some deeper meanings, actually, for that, because if you go back to Egypt, uh, the leopard, Leopard, you know, leopard, the lion, 
was one of the symbols for Osiris. And Osiris was, like Jesus, the Lord of Light who sits in the halls of the dead to greet the souls, uh, the Lord of Resurrection, the Lord of Everlastingness, um, the Lord of Light that we hope to unite with when we, we go into the higher her realm. So that's just one symbol. The eagle is another one that represented the Divine Father, the one who can get above the patterns, who has clear vision to look down, whose wings turn the universe in the great Fibonacci spiral. So does that extend also to the the fish symbol? Is that a hermetic symbol that comes from Egypt or even the cross? Very powerful symbol, Simran. The fish symbol, the iscus, which you know most of us know is one of the symbols that Jesus brought forth for his teachings, if you turn it to the side, it becomes the eye of Horus or the eye of God or the eye of Ra, Ra representing light. And, of course, if you take two circles and you overlap them, they create this sacred shape that's called the Visica Pisces, which looks like the Iscus. So he's telling us with that, if the two circles represent the male and the female, the inner and the outer, and this, of course, goes along with the teachings I had quoted in our last interview where Jesus says when you make the two eyes into one, the inner into the outer, the outer into the inner, the male into the female, the female into the male, then you shall see the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about the awakening of our third eye or our inner sight or inner senses once we have managed to balance these two parts of ourselves. I did I did an interview uh, back in January with J.J. Hurtock and Desiree Hurtock, and that was a, a great introduction for me to the Keys of Enoch and much of the discussion around the Merkaba. And in your book, you also speak of the hermetic symbols of the beehive and, um, and how the, there's a sphere that surrounds our po- body, and that, that field also called the Merkaba is, is something that is, geometric that supports us almost like the flower of called the flower of life yes i i know jim and desiree Hertank. they are lovely people and they have brought forth some really amazing research uh with their uh institute um the merkaba of course most people don't realize is uh, a third dimensional or multi-dimensional uh expression of uh, the star of david and the Star of David is, you know, the six-pointed star. In Egypt, it was represented as the lily, which is a six-petal flower, just as the rose is a five-petal flower. Five always connects with the heart and the Divine Mother. It's also the number of um, man in many ways, Leonardo da Vinci, the two hands, the two arms, the two legs, and the, and the head, five, but the mastery of all of them through spirit, which brings us to six. So each of these sacred geometric shapes within the ancient mystery schools is linked to the activation of these subtle energy bodies, and this was known to initiates. Uh, and this is how we, the initiates learned how to do soul travel or to leave their bodies while still living in their bodies and to travel into these interdimensional realms of God. And part of all of this hermetic language was what was taught and and was some of the evidence that Jesus was trained in the mysteries and trained in the mystery schools. In fact, this is one of the reasons why my wonderful publisher, Hampton Rhodes, you know, really uh, was great because I said the only way this book can be published is if we have all these illustrations. 
And we started off with about 170, and we got down to about 103. But in the book, if you can see the images, you suddenly begin to realize the correspondences and how the legacy got got passed. For for example, in Egypt, the pharaoh, pharaohs, by the way, the pharaoh's lighthouse means light. Pharaoh was a keeper of light. The pharaoh's symbol was the bee. He was known as the beekeeper. Why, why a beekeeper? It doesn't sound very glamorous. Because in the ancient world, there were only two preservatives known, salt and honey. So they preserved the nectar of the wisdom of the ages for future generations. And I'm going to have you continue on that conversation when we get back. Hermetics is a language of symbol codes that directs us to a deeper truth about the universe and our relationship to it. Those trained in the mysteries hold the keys to the symbolic code. Those who do not see only the surface meaning. To penetrate these hidden legacy of Jesus and to understand his associations with the mystery traditions, we must learn this hidden language, which holds the key to our ancient past, a key that opens the door to the heart of the mysteries themselves. Tricia McCannon has authored a book, Jesus, The Explosive Story of the Thirty Lost Years and the Ancient Mystery Religions. This is the second of a two-part series. The first part you can access on our May 27th archives. will help you to understand more about this wonderful woman, her writings, her work, and how this book came into being, along with much of the ideas and thoughts that have gone into this book. I hope you'll join us right back with Tricia McCannon. You can connect with her at TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Money, we love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network. 
are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. My guest today, Tricia McCannon, is a renowned American clairvoyant, historian, author, and teacher who has traveled the world in search of answers to the greatest mysteries of the ages. Every year she travels to sacred sites and leading trips to such wonderful places as Peru, Egypt, Italy, Greece, France, England, and Mexico. She's available for personal readings, lectures, workshops, and seminars, in addition to her own mystery schools and teachings that she supports people with. You can connect with her at TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com, where you can also get her latest book, Jesus, the Explosive Story of the Thirty Lost Years and the Ancient Mystery Religions. Adepts of the mysteries knew that beneath the world of the senses, there is a higher intelligence. They call this the Logos, or Divine Blueprint. Christians later translated this term as the Word, an apt reference to the breath of God or the Holy Spirit that creates the universe. Today, scientists call this intelligence the unified field. It is important for us to recognize that we have much to learn and much to open to, and that our limited-mindedness will keep us locked in the thoughts of the past. But allowing ourselves to open our minds and discover that perhaps there's more to know than we've allowed will allow not only the mind to broaden, but the heart to open. Tricia, we were talking about, uh, you had ended speaking about uh, the salt and the honey, and I'd love for you to continue that conversation. Well, you know, the beehive was kind of where we were going with this and the whole hermetic symbology of the bees or the beekeepers as preservers of the nectar of the wisdom of knowledge. Uh, Now, we see this also in uh, the Persian teachings of Mithra and of Zoroaster where you see that those uh, Persian um, uh, uh, avatars, if you will, will have uh, beehive-looking hats with, of all things, a cross on them, which is just amazing. And um, similar to some of the symbology we see in other parts of the Mystery School, they'll be holding a trinity of sunflowers. Here's our trinity. There's the sun. And the multidimensional beehive hat represented the multidimensional layers of um, reality, the dimensions. And when we turn over to, let us say, the Vatican, we notice that for many, many, many centuries, the Pope's hat looked like a beehive, a three-tiered beehive, you know, reflecting the three steps of initiation that we spoke about earlier. And we also see that on the Pope's crest, many of the papal crests have bees. And later, the symbol of the bee was sort of um, the shorthand version was the fleur-de-lis, which we see adopted by many of the French kings telling us that they were claiming or proclaiming that in some way, shape, or form, they were inheritors of this um, knowledge or this legacy from the past. And and when you speak about these initiations, uh, and you even spoke about it in last last week's show, where you talked about uh, there's several types of initiations that individuals go through to open up keys and codes and different things like that. What is that symbolism of these different initiations that we must go through as human beings to get to mastery? Well, I, I think the question you're asking me is, um, and, and if I'm kind of going down the different path from what you had intended, please stop me. 
but there are three steps, or there were traditionally three steps of initiation in most of the chapters of the Great White Brotherhood. The first being the grounded level of the feminine mysteries, the second being the uh, divine masculine mysteries, and the third being the integration. And I know I, I mentioned this in passing in our last uh, interview, but I didn't really elaborate on them. Would, is that, would you like to hear a little more about that? A little bit more on that, please. Well, the first level of the mysteries really had to do with noticing the divine pattern in the physical world of nature. So, you know, biology, uh, chemistry, herbology, healing, uh, all the different ways in which science now discovers that the macrocosm and the microcosm reflect one another, these were the things that they were studying. So these were the scientists, if you will, and the healers of their day. Uh, by the second level... One got into uh, mathematics and sacred geometry, um, and this is um, and also the knowledge that the divine father, where they they knew that the divine mother comes into the world again and again and again. This is why she was called uh, she of ten thousand names and ten thousand faces. They believed that she existed outside of the worlds of time and space, and also inserted herself into the worlds of time and space over and over. The Divine Masculine, however, it was believed that the Divine Father existed beyond the worlds of time and space and that he himself, uh, the only way he, he chose to come into the lower worlds or the worlds of time and space was through his sons. And it was believed that he had four sons. And, and the Vedas, some of the most ancient uh, literature on our planet that goes back, and at least in written form, at least to 5,000 5, years ago, um, and many claim many thousands of years before, the, the Vedas say that um, they name them as the four Kumaras, or the four sons of God. And Kumar is a, a word that in Sanskrit means son. But if you actually look at the entomology of the word Kumara, well, Ku, K-U or K-H-U, is the higher self in the Egyptian teachings. Ma, Divine Mother, Ra, Divine Father, Light. So this is the higher self that combines the divine male and female within itself. And Jesus was certainly one of those four great Kumaras. Uh, he was the one known as Sananda Kumara. And um, the head of the Great White Brotherhood, Sanat Kumara, was another. Uh, this, and then, of course, the other two were also discussed in my book. And in, in, in saying that, in saying that he was also known as these things, are you saying that uh, these masters have reappeared over time in different ways and the ultimate form was Jesus was the most profound form that has come? Or are these just different names that he was given in different cultures? Well, you know, they were called the four deathless ones, and they were like uh, quadruplets that were said to exist beyond the worlds of time and space. Uh, is, is there one? Yes. I mean, I think there was one, and then the one becomes, you know, the four. So um, these are four aspects of the Divine Father, we could say. And each one of these aspects seems to have a different M.O. Uh, Sananda Kumara, Jesus, his M.O. seems to be that he comes in to help humanity, travels to help humanity, and uplifts humanity in some very important ways. Uh, particularly with the wine, we see the wine and the bread, the Eucharist rites that he shared 
were connected in the past to, I think, one of his earlier incarnations as the great Lord Osiris. But that MO is that he winds up um, dying and then being resurrected from the dead by the power of love. And he's the only one of the four Kumaras that seems to play out that particular archetype. So as a, as a great world savior. Um, Sanat Kumara, as I said, I have only encountered him one time. He appeared actually when I was writing this book and I was really asking, praying for more grounded information about the Great White Brotherhood to come in. He literally appeared by my bedside one morning. He looked so much like Jesus, I cannot even tell you. He was like a hair's breadth different. And the only thing he said to me was, Sanat Kumara. Now, I had no idea who Sanat Kumara was. Um, and, in fact, I happened to have an, a friend, an Indian friend at that time who called a few days later, and I said to him, do you know anything about Sanat Kumara? And he said, oh, he is one of the four great Kumaras. And I was like, well, who are they? Oh, they are the four sons of God that are spoken of in the Upanishads and the Vedas. <laughs> and I was like, really? Well, tell me more. Who are they? Oh, there is Sanat Kumara, who is the head of the great white brotherhood. I was like, holy smokes. And I said, well, who else? Oh, there's Sananda Kumara, who was, of course, Jesus. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> great Indian accent, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Well, my friend has a great accent himself. So, um, you know, uh, so then I was like, well, who are the others, you know? And he said, there's Sananka Kumara. And uh, I said, well, what's his deal? And he said, well, uh, he, he comes to teach the wisdom to the gate misty schools. And I was like, well, that would be so, who literally traveled around the planet to all these different cultures starting these great mystery schools for the raising of the consciousness of, of humans. And, you know, so there's so much I could say about him. I mean, it was said that all the wisdom of the world was contained within him, and like Jesus, he was said to contain the logos or the blueprint. A uh, hundred years after Jesus, Clement of Alexandria, the early church father, said that there were 42 books that had been written by Thoth that were still in the library at, in the Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt that contained all of the knowledge on mathematics, astronomy, astrology, architecture, sacred geometry, herbology, healing, law, magic. Um, uh, I mean, it, the list goes on and on. I, I can't imagine the amount of knowledge there just because hearing you speak, you're just a wealth of knowledge as well. You're like an encyclopedia in, in all of this. Yeah, my what? friends call me, what is it, instead of Trisha McCannon, it's Trisha Britannica, or Trisha, Mc, yeah, Britannica, everybody, you know. But, uh, you know, but that's just, that just goes to prove that there is really so much that we can discover and uncover. And in discovering and uncovering all of that about Jesus, in a sense, it also allows us to uncover a lot about ourselves, because we are all people of light. We are all great beings that are here to support humanity and are here to help the growth of the planet, especially now at a time when so much can feel uh, so uncomfortable and as if we're at the last place, last place of hope for many people that are really, really struggling. So to hang on to the fact that often things are not what we uh, have seen or have heard or as they appear and know there's a much bigger picture and a much greater story behind it lets us know that there's a much bigger picture and a greater story behind ourselves. I'm here today with Tricia McCannon. She's the author of Jesus, the Explosive Story and the 30 Lost Years in the Ancient Mystery Religions. 
This wonderful book is based on new information called from the hard-to-find Vatican texts, theosophical classics, legends, and hermetic symbolism. Tricia constructs a radical new picture of Jesus and his times. She asserts Jesus spent at least seven years in Egypt, a number of years in England, and visited both India and Tibet before beginning his public ministry in Palestine. Drawing on records from the Vatican, Tibet, India, and Egypt, along with Greek, Aramaic, and Pali texts, as well as oral traditions of Jesus' teachings, McCannon uncovers the real reason that he has remained such a powerful and pivotal figure in world consciousness for over two millennia. You can connect to Tricia McCannon and all of her offerings, additional books, CDs, mystery schools, and workshops at TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. We'll be right back with Tricia McCannon. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Be Extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. While the mysteries were widely practiced throughout the ancient world, once the monotheistic religions of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism took hold with their penchant for dualism, separation, and judgment, knowledge of these elevated realities and access to the principles behind them was suppressed and those who transmitted that wisdom were exterminated or forced to go underground. A wonderful new book, Jesus, the Explosive Story, and the Thirty Lost Years and the Ancient Mystery Religions by Tricia McCannon helps to allow an individual to access information about Jesus' time when he disappeared, the many questions that come about according to his life, and also to access the string of truths that may reside throughout all religions, uniting us all as one people one people with one great creative force that we have all come from. Tricia, we were talking about the the great four, and I think you had one left that we needed to discuss. I'd love for you to finish that out before we go to the next section. Uh, thank you, Simran. Yes, uh, the last of the four great Kumaras, or those sons of God, is called Sanandana. Not Sananda, like Jesus, but Sanandana. So it's got an extra syllable in there. And it said that he comes very, very seldom to the planet. Where the others might appear every few thousand years, he doesn't come very often. His um, MO seems to be 
that he comes only in times of greatest darkness where it looks like the dark is going to take over the planet. So when you look back on the historical timeline of who really fits that bill, uh, it would definitely be the uh, the great Egyptian uh, lord um, Horus, uh, the great god Horus who represented truth, fidelity, honor, honesty, and, of course, if you ever study the Egyptian stories, you know, Osiris and Isis basically came in after the devastation of the flood when humanity, you know, was, people were dead and the people who were surviving were starving to death. They reset civilization. Osiris traveled the world, Horus's father, helping people and bringing food to the starving and teaching them how to grow their crops. And this is why Osiris, who would have been an incarnation of Jesus, became known as the green god and also because he saved the grape for um that we create wine from and isis his wife saved the seeds from which we get wheat the bread and the wine which became the eucharist rites within egypt and the persian mysteries and the essene mysteries and then later of course jesus transmitted them were always associated with these two after osiris was murdered by his evil brother set and um, Egypt was basically plunged into about 350 years of darkness and chaos. Uh, it was Horus, uh, Osiris's son, who emerged to be able to set things right and to bring light back to the Egyptian culture. And if you kind of look around at who else has that, you know, M.O., uh, um, because Horus also was known as the god of healing. He was known as Apollo in, in uh, Greece, the god of music, Okay, all of these things. Well, who else has this sort of shepherd energy? Well, if we look to the east, we see Rama and we see Krishna. Here these are lords of light that come in that play musical instruments. They're shepherds. They're divine wise ones. They're holy kings uh, that are um, uh, wind up confronting evil and darkness in their age through uh, the great Indian epics of the Mahabharata for Krishna and the Ramayana. For Rama, uh, where he has to fight back the, um, the the darkness that's encroaching. And in fact, I have to say that the Ramayana is a beautiful tale for those who have not read it, uh, where Rama winds up fighting this uh, demonic who uh, they is a Rakshasa. It was probably a reptilian, and his horde was marauding around the uh, the countryside, taking over things, and you know uh, attacking the monasteries and eating the priests, and I mean, it's really scary stuff. So Rama actually uh, fights him back, and at the very end of it, when he's about to kill Ravana, the uh, evil Rikshasha demon, uh, you know, he, uh, Rama says, you know, why did you do it? And Ravana tells the most incredible thing. He says, oh, great... Lord of the universe, do you not yet know who you are? You have incarnated in human form down here, and yet you are the incarnation of God. This was the only way I could hope to catch your attention or to get close to you was by creating all this havoc so that you would have to come down here and stop me. Mm. And I just love that. I mean, it's so, it's so profound because I think sometimes when these beings come down, they may know who they are or sometimes they may not, they may grow into the fullness of that knowledge. Well, and how, how that equates to our own human experience, you know, the chaos and the drama that we create in our lives simply to just 
discover our own power, our own voice, or our own presence, or our own ability to express and receive love. It's it's a, a wonderful illustration of, of who and what we can be as human beings. Well, yeah, certainly I think that Jesus, uh, with all of the visitation of the Magi, which were certainly members of the Great White Brotherhood that had uh, awaited his birth and come to honor him and and it was said, actually, that the Magi traveled to Mount Carmel and left uh, instructions for his education, for the curriculum of his training. So you've got to know that Jesus was aware as he grew up that there were these expectations um, and hopes that people had, um, the, ones that, the ones that knew. And yet he himself had to come to a place of owning that within himself um, and finding his own unique expression his own unique way of uh, synthesizing, if you will, all the master teachings and uh, coming back and sharing it at a very uh, deep level. And what we have in in the New Testament, as I've pointed out through the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, for all the profundity of the teachings that we know, as these books from the Nagamani text and the Dead Sea Scrolls begin to surface, and some of the other texts that I found in the course of writing this book, the Gospel of the Holy Twelve, the Humane Gospel, the Sophia of Jesus the Christ, which are his teachings, um, the depth and breadth of who and what he actually really taught his inner circle of initiates is very great. And, you know, this book that I've written, we still had to take 200 pages out in editing, and I have another 200 pages put aside on the secret teachings. Well, and there, there's a lot even in, in the book, though, that many people may not realize, and I know we don't have enough time um, in, in this segment and the next segment to go into all of that, but I'd like to touch at least to let listeners know what else is in the book. But there's discussions about whether or not December 25th was his actual birthday. There's discussions about the age of his death, whether it was 33 or if he actually lived to the age of 39 or 45. Um, the fact that he visited many cultures or lands during his first 30 years. What are some of the other points throughout the book that are areas of discussion that people may not be aware of? Well, one of the easiest ways, I think, to explain the book is to say that it's divided into six sections. In the very beginning, we just have two little chapters introducing the Great White Brotherhood, the language of hermetics, and how they taught. And then we begin the journey into his life. And in our first section, of course, we look actually at the real dates that Jesus may have been born. And uh, each one of these dates had an astronomical um, configuration that was very powerful. And also um, there was historical evidence pointing to the date. And also there was a great deal of hermetic mysticism uh, related to that particular birthday. And we, we talk about... Uh, certainly Libra is one of the possibilities, Capricorn is one of the possibilities, and Leo, and those are probably our three big ones. Uh, and there's historical documentation around each one of them. Uh, at a mysteries level, however, the higher end of Capricorn is the unicorn. And the unicorn, of course, is the pure unblemished one who has awakened their third eye, that, that horn in the middle, whose blood uh, produces eternal life. As the, and who lays its head in the lap of the pure virgin. Okay? So a lot of these things later appear in the arms of European chivalry. The lion and the unicorn are all references to the Christ if you understand the hermeticism of them. Um, 
it with Libra, that Libra is another profound possibility. The the Arabs actually say that he was born uh, several days after the Jewish New Year, which at that time would have been October 1st or Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Atonement within the Jewish calendar or the Day of At-One-Month. And this was the day, it was believed, when everybody had to pass as sheep before the shepherd and to be judged, and you had to make atonement for whatever you might have done wrong in the preceding year. And, of course, this was the time that was associated with the great Lord Osiris, who was the Lord of Light, like Jesus, that sits on the throne in the halls of the dead and who presides over the balanced scales of life, uh, uh, really weighing your heart against the feather of truth. In the Egyptian teachings, the feather of truth was called ma'at. So, you know, and, and then, of course, we have the great lion of God, which is all connected with the solar symbolism and the coming of the great, the great, uh, the return of the great king. So we talk about this in the second section, and then we move into Alexandria and the fact that most of us don't realize when we say, hey, that, you know, angel of the Lord came to see Joseph and told the family to leave Judea for, because Herod was, issuing the, the Massacre of the Innocents Edict, uh, most of us don't realize that it was not, you know, a poor, dusty, ignorant place. It was the New York City of its day. It was the cultural and spiritual and philosophic mecca of its time. And that's exactly the, uh, what Jesus and Mary and Joseph went into. That's the culture that his first probably seven years of his life were, were based in. Through various wonderful diagrams, incredible writing, and deep, deep research, Tricia McCannon brings about a new perspective on the explosive story, the 30 lost years, and the ancient mystery religions in which Jesus had lived. She states that she never intended to write this book. She was raised in the Deep South in a fundamentalist Christian family, but had her own spiritual path and journey very different from theirs. She was a clairvoyant from a young age and involved in everything from communicating with the animals to seeing the fairies and the devas in the woods. She was visited by angels and spirit guides and accessed information about other people's past and future lives clairvoyantly. Neither the church nor the family could explain the experiences that she was having. In an encounter with Jesus, she was given instructions to write a book about his lost years and secret teachings, in which he telepathically said, there has been enough struggle, enough war, and bloodshed in my name. The results of this conversation has been this book. You can access at her website, trishamccannonspeaks.com. That's trishamccannonspeaks.com. You can find Jesus, the Explosive Story, and the 30 Lost Years in Ancient Mystery Religions, along with some of her other books, CDs, DVDs, workshops, and mystery school teachings. We'll be right back with Trisha McCannon. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 
7-Eleven magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Over the last three millennia, hundreds of books have been written about Jesus by theologians, lay people, and scholars alike. You may even have questions about who Jesus was, where he trained in the esoteric wisdom he taught, and where he was for the nearly 30 years that are unaccounted for in the Bible. The hidden life of Yeshua ben Joseph, better known as Jesus Christ, may be among the greatest mysteries of all time. Certainly over the past 2,000 years, there has been no more beloved or controversial figure. Yet no teacher's words of peace and brotherhood have ever been more misused to create division, war, and persecution. Today it is a time for a larger perspective on Jesus, one that is inclusive and loving, not exclusive and territorial. One that honors the Prince of Peace for who he truly was, not our dualistic version of who we have been told he was. You can find out a lot of these answers if you will pick up a new book that has been released, Jesus, the Explosive Story of the 30 Lost Years and the Ancient Mystery Religions by Tricia McCannon. Connect with her at TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com, and you can find out about some of the other offerings that she has. Tricia, we talked a little bit about the background that he had um, in his in his earlier years, but there's also other places that he went. He connected with the Druids, with the Celtics, with the uh, he went to India, he went to Egypt. How did all of these places impact him, and, and what were some of the steps along the way? Well, you know, certainly as I was sharing before, the, the, the six divisions of the book sort of try to address each one of these um, great chapters of the great mystery schools. And um, after leaving Alexandria, he was with the Essenes from about uh, age 8 to age 13, and this is, of course, during the time that we hear the temple scene when he's 12 that we get a little inkling of in our traditional Bibles. Um, now, one of the things I discovered in my research, and there's a whole section, the fourth section is all about the Celtic lands. Um, the fifth is about India and Persia. And the very last section, of course, is about the mysteries of Egypt and his seven years in the, in the temples there. But um, Jesus' uncle was Joseph of Arimathea. And most people don't realize Joseph of Arimathea was a very wealthy man. He was a tin merchant. In fact, he was the major provider for tin for the entire Roman Empire. And since tin is used in the making of bronze weapons, it was absolutely essential. Consequently, Joseph had the title of a decurion, which was a very high-ranking title within um, uh, the, the Roman you know, uh, infrastructure. And uh, he mined up in England, the only place that we know that had a tent at that time, the Mendip Hills um, uh, and the Castoradi Mountains were the areas. So he had his own private fleet of ships to carry this tent back and forth. And it was the perfect um, uncle, fairy god uncle, if you will, 
for for Jesus. So we have reports of Jesus in the Celtic lands with his mother Mary and his uncle when he was seven. Again, we have reports of him studying with the Druids at 14 or 15 for a year or two. But uh, apparently he was so advanced that the Druids said, send him on to India, you know. <laughs> okay, send him on. And then uh, we have reports of him again at about the age of 30 after he had returned from uh, his time in India, his travels through Chaldea, his uh, initiations in the Persian mysteries in the famous cave of Bukhara. Uh, and the Persian mysteries were heavily about the star mysteries. Uh, and the precession, the 26,000-year precession of the ages that helps to define human consciousness on this planet. And that, that invitation to India came after uh, a visit of, that they made to, to Jesus to hear him speak in, I believe, Palestine when, when he was speaking. And from that, they invited him to India, and then he began learning some of the things from the Vedic texts and well, other have- teachings. Well, you know, the Magi, I mean, most people don't stop at Christmas time to think, well, what were the Magi? I mean, the Magi were magicians. They were sorcerers. I mean, what's a sorcerer? That comes from one who connects to the source. Now, of course, it's come to mean something different in our society, but a Magi was a magician or a mage or a sage or a master. And uh, certainly um, there's been much speculation about where the three original Magi came from, I have gotten uh, access during the course of writing this book to some of the 560,000 documents hidden in the Vatican, and I talk about them in, in, in the book and quote uh, several of them. And one of them is a very long passage from Herod's own Roman records where he talks about the visitation of these three magi at Jesus' birth and that one of them was Egyptian. Now, I believe from some of the other reports that I quote in the book that one came from the north, one the south, one the east, and one the west, and that there were originally four magi, but apparently one of them didn't make it. So I suspect that there was one from Persia, one from um, probably the Celtic Isles that didn't make it, one from Egypt, and there well could have been one from India that had come a very long way to see him. So when when he left India, um, certainly the magi would have reconnected with him not only in India with the Great White Brotherhood, but um, in his travels through Persia, uh, where he was initiated in those mysteries. And you've said before, that, you know, everyone was awaiting him. It was, it was, there was knowledge that there was a great being coming to the planet, and that they were, in essence, all along waiting to be, whether it was guides or teachers or simply um, those that loved and supported him. Yes, and in fact, you know, one of the things I talk about in the Egyptian section, and this is a very deep subject, and we probably will run out of time with this, but, you know, all the other branches of the Great White Brotherhood taught about the mastery of seven subtle energy bodies, which by the time Jesus left India, he had already done that. We have many reports of him healing uh, the sick, raising the dead, all of the many things that we know years later he did in his public ministry in, Mount, in Palestine. But the reason he had to go to Egypt to study is because they taught the mastery of two additional bodies. And those two additional bodies allowed him, in the end, to be able to lay down his body and his life willingly in the crucifixion and to reanimate his body uh, at, a, uh, at an energetic level in order to reclaim it. But obviously the reanimation of it, uh, there was an alchemical process that had taken place because 
if you read the apocryphal gospels, you discover that there are times when Jesus appeared as a young boy, an old man, and as a man about his own age that didn't look quite the same. And he appeared that way to his apostles after, for some like oh, like ninety days after the the resurrection. So, and he was able to literally appear and disappear. You know, uh, materialize his body so you could touch it, and then you know walk through walls. So there was an alchemical process that he had managed to master um, in Egypt that by the time it came time for this final initiation of the crucifixion and the resurrection uh, shows that he was able to demonstrate properties way beyond that of a normal um, you know, human being. It's incredibly fascinating information. Patricia, if, if Jesus was a master of initiative of these ancient paths, then, then this really means that for the last 2,000 years, Christian, Christianity has not really had to be at odds with other world religions, that we haven't had to have other religions at odds with themselves. Um, do you think your book is, has the potential to support change in this type of consciousness? That is my prayer, and I believe it is the prayer of the one who sent me. I believe that it is the prayer not only of the Great White Brotherhood and the Masters, but of Jesus, who in fact said to me, you know, there has been enough war and bloodshed in my name. And it is for this reason, really, that I have labored uh, so long in what I lovingly call my Jesus cave these last few years, is because his presence again and again has said to me the importance of all of us understanding that uh, we are all one, and that no matter how we dress it up or color it, if you are following the path of the heart, then you are following the path that was laid out by Jesus. And uh, you can call it anything you want to, but in the end, all of these uh, exoteric, superficial differences dissolve when you are able to penetrate into the deeper levels of the mysteries and of the truth. Do you think some of the challenging times that are coming, some of the... um discussions around 2012 and even the change from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, is all of that part of another coming of the Master or an evolution of us coming to a higher level if we choose? Indeed, both of these. I think that we are at a time of great quickening on the planet. As many of your listeners probably know, we are uh, in the long count of the last uh, 13 years of the mind calendar, and whether or not it really completes uh, 2012, you know, as has been predicted, we really don't know if our counting or dating's off. It might be 2011 or 2013, but certainly there is a completion of not only the age of Pisces, but the age of a much larger 26,000-year cycle. And the new age that's coming, the Hopi Indians tell us, is called the age of illumination. And this is a time when our solar system will be in the radiance of passing into the alignment with the great galactic center. And this is the thousand years of peace that was predicted in Revelations. But because we can look around and see that there's so much unrest and chaos all around us, there has to be a cleansing. And so I believe that it's probably that we're going to wind up having a pole shift, a physical pole shift, There'll probably be a lot of uh, social uh, um, changes, ge- geological changes. There'll probably be a lot of people leaving the planet. But the people that survive will have an opportunity to re- recreate life in a positive way. 
And then this radiance really comes in, which we've already been feeling, of course, is the quickening. Um, and I believe then that this great light shower will appear again. And, of course, we have an opportunity for him to appear inside of our own Christed natures, for us to awaken to our own potential. Jesus even says this in the Gospel of Thomas. He said, he who drinks from my mouth will become as me a Christ. So he, he says it right there, that he came as the way shower, the anointed one, and that's, of course, what it means. Um, and that's well, I want to I want to thank you, Tricia. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, and I could honestly probably spend a whole year worth of radio shows talking <laughs> to you with all the information that you know. I urge all of you to connect to Tricia McCannon at her website, TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com. Don't go with what you know. If you think you already know, then it means there's a lot more to discover. Don't allow yourselves to get caught up in the fear of what might be portrayed in the media, what might be talked about about 2012. Do your own research. Don't get caught up in dogma. Allow yourself to let your heart speak to you and your mind open up and discover the answers to the questions that you may have rather than taking things as they're given to you. Access this wonderful new book by Tricia McKinnon, Jesus, the Explosive Story of the 30 Lost Years and the Ancient Mystery Religions. It is well worth the read. In reading through it, I am certain, as Tricia has spoken before, that there are many keys and codes that will be unlocked in your brain and in your heart to allow you what you need in your life as well. You Again, you can connect with her at TriciaMcCannonSpeaks.com and find out more about her. Next week, my guest is Dr. Gong Shaw, and we are going to discuss his latest book on healing and on the evolution of the soul. Until then, my name is Simran Singh, and I hope that you will be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of Conscious Choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.